Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Instead of our regularly scheduled clips of the week, which will happen in just a few minutes, we're looking forward to talking to Lon Hee Chen, David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, the Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University, frequent commentator on CNN, and rumored to be running for high office. Mr. Chen, how are you, sir? Hey, Joe. Good to be with you this morning. Uh, great. It's always a pleasure to talk. So, listen, we've kind of been bugging you uh, to run for office because we think your ideas are sound and productive. Uh, you, are you actually, can we talk about this? Are you thinking of running for office in Cal Unicornia? I, I am. I am considering it seriously because, you know, we've talked about a lot of these problems, Joe. I mean, I think what it comes down to is we've got some basic, very basic sort of blocking and tackling issues that we need to handle in California. We just don't seem to be doing the basic things right. And I think bringing a sort of common sense, ideas-based approach is kind of what we need. And, and that's why I'm looking at an office like Controller, which you know a lot of people don't really think very much about or maybe know very much about, but has a tremendous opportunity to change things for the better. And that's why I'm looking at it. Well, let's, uh, first of all, uh, talk about what the controller does. What do they do? Yeah. Well, the, the controller is actually, the, think of it as a chief financial officer for the state of California, the person who is in charge of overseeing the finances, how we're spending the state's money, uh, accounting for all of that, making sure that when politicians make promises, they're held accountable for it. And unfortunately, if you look back over the last, I don't know, 20 years, the controller really hasn't done any of that, you know, really hasn't. Uh, held anybody responsible for anything. You know, we've got all of these different crises in our state, all these different things that are going on. And the controller probably could have made things better along the way many times and simply didn't. So, you know, I, I just take one basic example where there was a report that last year the controller was responsible for signing off on over $300 billion of spending, billion with a B, but could not produce a line item list of where all that money went. Now, That's right, and I understand me, the other 49 states were able to. It, it's a very basic thing, right, Joe? I mean, you think about your family, you think about any business, and it's like if, if, if you went out and said, you know, I, I, we spent a bunch of money, I actually don't know where we spent it. First of all, if you were a business owner, you'd be in jail. If, if you were a you know, family trying to budget that way, you'd be bankrupt. And yet we continue to allow the state to do these sorts of things, and nobody wants to do anything about it. So I think it's time for voters to say, you know what, enough is enough, and let's switch things up and have accountability for a change. Well, I would absolutely love to see that. I mean, the the examples of scandal and wastefulness are legion from the defrauding of the uh, Department of Unemployment. That's not the proper name, but that's what it is. 30, perhaps $40 billion to the utter obscenity that is the regular train. I won't call it a bullet train because it's not going to be a bullet train. It's the suburbs of Fresno to suburbs of Bakersfield $60 billion train nobody wants. My concern is, and you can address those if you want, but my concern is California voters are so brutally unaware of the way the state's being run that you can't get their attention. Well, frankly, it's it's the job of candidates. And if I become a candidate, I'm going to spend every day trying to help California voters understand these are the basic issues that we need to get fixed. And this is not a partisan thing, Joe. You know, I get a lot of questions about, well, 
you know, you're, you're well known to be somebody who's, you know, right of center, who's got views about fiscal conservatism. How's that going to play in California? I have not talked to a single voter, whether they're liberal or conservative or in the middle, who looks at something like you've referred to the fraud in the unemployment insurance system. $30 billion at least of fraud. And by the way, bigger than Bernie Madoff, bigger than all sorts of different frauds that we've seen, probably the biggest fraud at the governmental level, at the state governmental level in the history of our country. Nobody looks at that and says, yeah, I'd like that to continue. You know, nobody looks at the the challenges with the choo-choo train that, that you've talked about, where there's all these promises made about the spending, creating jobs, creating a train. We still have a train to nowhere. I've talked to no Californian who thinks, hey, that's a great idea. Let's continue that. So I think part of the challenge, Joe, you're right, is that people are really busy with their lives, and they should be. But part of the job of public officials is to raise the attention and the awareness on these issues and talk about them and say, how can we fix them, as opposed to continuing to cover them up and just perpetuating the Sacramento monopoly that exists right now. Amen to that. We're talking to Lon He Chen, who uh, Politico listed twice on their annual list of thinkers, doers, and visionaries, uh, the top 50 in American politics, uh, thinking about running for the controller gig in California, which is essentially, as he told us, the CFO of California. You know, you're also an educator. And as an educator, I'd love to have your perspective on the story we've been talking about the last couple of days. This is a high school in Northern California where a passerby, a student passed by a classroom in the hallway, glanced in, saw a Nazi flag, went to the administration, said, I'm disturbed by that. And they have suspended the teacher and launched a full investigation. And and now everybody's going to pieces and afraid to talk and the rest of it. What's happening in education these days? What the hell is that? Well, you know, oh, and I'm sorry, he was teaching World War Two, specifically right. a senior seminar on propaganda and symbols. Yeah, well, one of the things in general about our, our system of education is that one of the, I don't know, basic hallmarks of, of education in the classroom is the ability of educators to um, to, to, to essentially teach based on the, the, the things that they believe are are best for the students in their classrooms. And we have this principle of local control of education, which is also very important. And, and, and so one of the challenges we have is this concept of academic freedom, which was supposed to be core and central, particularly at the university level. I mean, that's the level I'm familiar with. It's where I, where I teach. And I'll just say that the measure of academic freedom that we see in the classroom at the university level uh, it, it just isn't the same as it used to be. You know, it used to be you could present lots of different alternate points of view and say, look, you know, you as a student get to choose. And now the idea that you would present certain points of view is verboten. You know, you, 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 you will be under attack unless you present a particular point of view, a particular way of thinking about the world. And that's not academic freedom. And by the way, that's not how we strengthen the minds of young people. But the way we strengthen the minds of young people in our educational system is to say, look, here's all sorts of ideas. You figure out which ideas you believe in, and you espouse and defend those ideas. So uh, I'm a little worried that the concept of academic freedom is going away, and that's something that's been degraded for, for many, many years now. Well, and what's truly frightening is the enforcement mechanism for that is a bunch, of, a bunch of students who we have taught to have pathologies. We've given them pathologies, like the idea that if they are challenged or hear something they don't like, that's an offense. They've been aggrieved. There should be uh, uh, some sort of uh, repercussion for that, which is a bizarre idea. 
Yeah, I mean, again, this gets back to, you know, do we punish people for expressing different points of view? Uh, you know, do we, do we punish educators? Do we punish students who want to express different points of view? Now, of course, there are certain points of view that are arguably beyond the bounds of, uh, you know, civil and normal conversation. And, and we can have a conversation about how you deal with those things. But fundamentally, the concept of academic freedom means that in a marketplace of ideas, the bad ideas get defeated. The good ideas rise to the top. And that's the kind of system we want because it reflects what happens in American society. You know, we are a pluralistic place. People are allowed to express different points of view. And, you know, there are very specific requirements the Constitution sets out about freedom of speech. And we need to be serious about that. And, and that extends to the classroom. We want to have in the classroom freedom of thought, freedom of expression, and we allow people to debate uh, reasonable ideas. And I think that's something, unfortunately, you just see less and less of these days. Lonnie Chan of the Hoover Institution and Stanford University on the line. In the couple minutes we have left, let's do a little compare and contrast between the challenges, the divide, if you will, in the GOP, uh, the, the, the Trumpers and the no more Trumpers, and the, uh, the battle going on uh, in the Democratic Party uh, between the, the woke crowd as personified by the squad and, and the mainstream Democrats. Who's got the bigger challenge, or how do you see those two divides? Well, first of all, you're right, Joe, to talk about the divide in, in on both sides of the political spectrum. There's a tendency to focus on, oh, you know, gosh, look at the civil war, quote unquote, in the Republican Party. And and the point I make is, look, both sides have these divisions that are driving, uh, you know, the, the politics of both sides, unfortunately, toward toward what I think are, are more extreme positions on the on the left and certainly some of that on the right. Um, my own view on what's happening amongst conservatives in the Republican Party is. I think we ought to be focused on welcoming as many people as we can into the conservative movement, into the Republican Party. We should be creating a bigger tent, not a smaller one. And so what I would love to see is instead of talking about uh, how do we make the party better by subtraction or how do we make the movement better by subtraction? I think we should talk about how do we make it better by addition? Uh, and, and I don't see that on the left, by the way. I, I think there is a very strong desire amongst many on the left to cancel voices that are considered more reasonable or more moderate. And, and I'd hate to see the same thing happen uh, on the political right as well. Here, here. I think Hispanic America is going to be a force for conservatism within 20 years, personally. Any well, thoughts a, on that? And Asian Americans, too, by the oh, way. Oh, absolutely. I, mean, I, think, I, think, I, I, I think a lot of uh, you know, racial and ethnic minorities in this country, they want to be able to maximize their freedom, increase their opportunity, and be in a society where, you know, they can raise their families peacefully and with the knowledge that we have the rule of law. And those are all basic principles, by the way, that I, I know, I mean, certainly many conservatives I know espouse. And and so I think making the case in that way, Joe, is part of the challenge. And it's it's something that I, you know, take very seriously. If you do decide to run for office, uh, let me know the maximum contribution. I'll give you triple that, okay? Well, I, Mike, Michael, <laughs> edit that out when this airs. <clears throat> yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I appreciate that, Joe, and we'll certainly keep posted on all this. Lonnie Chen is the David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. Lonnie, great to talk to you. Have a great week. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of free speech, academic freedom, that sort of thing, student arrested for posting an idiotic, racist message online. The message is repugnant and stupid, but he was arrested in the United States for something he said. We'll talk about that. Plus, we need to do Clips of the Week. That's coming up next. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. We're going to finish the week strong this hour. Well, we're going to finish the week fairly We're going to finish the week this hour. The week will be done. Yes, that much I can promise. A story of a, a kid arrested for saying something nasty to another kid. Not a threat, not, not a violation of any First Amendment exceptions. And it's being called, well, it's a, being said it raises First Amendment issues. I'd say it is. The cops are arresting people for what they say. Stay tuned for the details on that. But first, let's take a fond look back at the week that was its cow. Clips of the week. We're dining outside, so we can definitely take our masks off. Oh, no, I don't like the bottom of your face. It's the story of the U.S. government's grudging acknowledgement of unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP, more commonly known as UFOs. And it was also observed erratic behavior and snorting a white substance. Oh, okay. I think they're happy with uh, any deaths that are caused to them. We grieve for every non-combatant loss in Gaza. Modern tyrannies have been founded on glorifications of equity and will and power. I was struck by this headline, hugs are coming back. What was the, the reaction of the people at that time to the more machine? Which was great money, but more we are people in order to form a more perfect union. I am now much more comfortable in, in people seeing me indoors without a mask. You can't pay a bunch of people if they're not doing any work. I mean, this is a business. It's not Congress. Another reporter called and said, hey, I'm hearing they're only talking to black or brown journalists. And I said, what? I, I, it just didn't even sound real. You wouldn't want to use the most successful piece of propaganda in the history of the planet to teach about propaganda, obviously. Right. There are other ways of going about it. This strikes us as anti-intellectual, nearly superstitious kowtowing to the overreaction of children. That's no way for an institutional learning to act. This is all part of an alarming new trend coined Zoom dysmorphia. I just kind of tilt my head differently or put my chin out or turn to the light until I look better. I just, it's fine. You get used to being kind of mediocre looking. It's fine. Not everybody can be as pretty as Sean, for instance. Sean's Aww. as pretty as a picture. He's white guy, 20, 20th century Jesus. I make up for it for being the very Bible. irresponsible in other aspects of life. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, how uh, are you actually intentionally not getting a haircut at this point? Uh, I mean, it, are you, like, into it now? No, I'm not seeing how long it goes. This is, uh, I'm anti-tasking it. I just have no, not yet made the appointment or gone to a hair cuttery to do it. I will happily do it at any point now. I just haven't made the appointment. Yeah, I used to despise the whole making an appointment or having an appointment or going and them saying, we're jammed up, or did you call it? I just, for some reason, I just, I despise that. I finally found this barbershop. You make an appointment online, you show up. I love it. Love it. Anyway, so this story out of Connecticut is just incredible. And 
The whole whipping people up by race deal is so dangerous. Lori Lightfoot refusing to give any interviews to white reporters. I mean, that sort of thing is incredible, especially given the the monumental progress made in making sure every single American, no matter what they look like or where they came from, gets all of their constitutional rights. I mean, huge leaps forward based on the idea that everyone is treated equally. And now people are trying to overcome that. But that's kind of an aside. This uh, high school kid, white kid in Connecticut, posted some racist comments about a black classmate, which is on social media. It's repugnant. It's stupid. It's racist. He's an idiot. Or he was angry and just trying to hurt someone. And you know that, you know, sometimes if you drop an N-bomb, for instance, people are going to find that hurtful and kids will be kids. But anyway, there's no defending what he said. But what happened was insane. Police in Fairfield, Connecticut, arrested the student on a state hate crime charge of ridicule on account of creed, religion, color, denomination, nationality, or race. It's a misdemeanor dating back to 1917. It's be it's being called, or it has been called, an unconstitutional infringement on free speech rights by the ACLU, at least back when they used to actually defend free speech and that sort of thing. Uh, and and so that's obviously become controversial. We'll have some of the quotes, some of which will make you think you're in, I don't know, a third world country or something uh, coming up in a moment or two. A lot of good stuff. Don't go away. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, uh, Sean, before we dive back into the First Amendment, uh, as I so often do, uh, have we played the 16 at the Myers Joe? We have not. Is it any good? I like it. I mean, because it. if it's not, you'll be held responsible. Fully I'm, responsible. I'm prepared to take whatever that means. All right. A zoo in Germany announced yesterday that its newest polar bear cub is the product of breeding between two polar bear siblings. Wow. They really do treat their animals like royalty. Wow, that's pretty good. A little royal incest joke. A little inbreeding humor there for you. <laughs> yeah, boy. A lot of good media weirdness to get to in the in the next couple of segments of the show. Uh, but to wrap up the story about a Connecticut high school student who posted some racist crap about another kid online. And, and I, you know, I feel for the family, the young man who was the target in his family. It's terrible. You shouldn't have to put up with that. I apologize on behalf of my fellow Americans that some idiot said something terrible like that online. Um, but the kid was arrested for it. The local police, citing some obscure law from 1917, arrested the kid for making an offensive statement, which is wildly against the First Amendment. Uh, and indeed, the ACLU, which is more or less lost its soul lately, uh, found a shred that remains and said, and I quote, Senior staff attorney of the national chapter said, having racist ideas or sharing racist ideas is something that we actually protect. Even if that viewpoint is offensive, even if it's deplorable, we don't want the government making the call about what's okay to say and think and what is not. But we have limitations on that right. Well, yeah, yeah, we do. But why are you bringing that up now? Turns out the kid got expelled for school. From school, I should say. Um and and I understand why they did that, but uh, here's a question: Does everything have to be the death penalty these days? Does does everything have to be the most extreme measure? We've fired him. 
for posting something as a 16-year-old that we now find somewhat objectionable. How about you, you suspend this kid for a good solid amount of time? I'm not an educator, but let's say a week, two weeks. And say, look, you're going to sit down with a mediator and, and a civil rights uh, activist or, or, or just, you know, our local city councilman who's a black man or something like that, and we're going to talk about this. And we're going to talk about the hurt it caused. We're going to talk about the history of the thing. We're going to talk about the fact that your words have way more weight than you might have thought they did when you were just pissed off at this other student and wanted to hurt him with your words. Why not teach the kid? Why not make a good, productive citizen out of him? You might make him a crusader for the civil rights of black Americans. And I mean actual civil rights, not not this equity crap that's going to tear the country, country apart. I just, we've taken the strongest possible measures. Please don't, don't hurt us. Don't turn on us now, woke Bob. Don't drag us into the street and beat us. Oh, no. All right, that's enough of that. But I suspect very strongly that that 1917 statute in uh, Connecticut will be overturned or, or, or written off the books pretty quickly. Oh, that's right. I wanted to share a bit of a, an email we got on this story from uh, Al Anonymous in Marin County. Uh, I'm just, I, you know, I tend to keep everybody anonymous these days because everybody's so vicious, uh, like we've been talking about. Um, but uh, he he shares that he grew up in Connecticut and says, I still have family there. We often have lighthearted, but also kind of sad, scary, depressing, and infuriating discussions about whether blatant government overreach is more prevalent in California or Connecticut. Uh, this round goes to Connecticut. Ding! You guys rock. Says Al Anonymous in Marin County. Yeah, I know. Connecticut is so far left. It's interesting. Um, uh, what else? Oh, that's right. That's right. Howard Kurtz has been talking about the situation on CNN. Chris Cuomo, idiot news anchor, has been reporting on his idiot and older person murdering brother, the governor of New York, in ways that are utterly unethical, and finally got busted but good on the topic. Clip number 70, Howard Kurtz. CNN host Chris Cuomo repeatedly advised Andrew Cuomo on dealing with the spate of sexual harassment allegations by joining conference calls that included top members of the New York governor's staff, lawyers, and outside strategists. Report says Chris Cuomo urged his brother to take a defiant stance, not resign, not give in to cancel culture. Both Cuomo, who is not being disciplined here, and CNN are not defending this conduct. Here's the network statement. Chris has not been involved in CNN's extensive coverage of the allegations against Governor Cuomo on air or behind the scenes because he often acts as a sounding board for his brother. It was inappropriate to engage in conversations that included members of the governor's staff, which Chris acknowledges. He will not participate in such conversations going forward. So that amounts to, yeah, it was wrong, but he won't do it again. The mistake here, and it's a big one, is acting as part of the Democratic governor's team, especially when Chris Cuomo routinely eviscerates Donald Trump and the Republicans on his show virtually every night. The optics here are pretty awful. You know, Governor Cuomo is a politician I have zero use for. I think he's awful. He's ineffective, he's a liar, he's self-aggrandizing, he's and a And I punk. truly and deeply apologize for it. And a terrible actor. Uh, is the reference to cancel culture appropriate in your mind, Jack, trying to say he ought to resign because he harasses women like a fiend? Is that cancel culture? What is cancel culture? What Would is you, not? You want to hit the door open there, Michael? Hey, look, it's Jack. 
I've been gone for the last hour. You know what? I'm going to change subjects completely. All right. Are you sure? No, but what's the what's the possible downside? Okay, I just I okay. you, what, 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 oh no 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 I just I, I'm asking that as a friend and not a co-host. No, I understand. Okay, I understand, right. and I'm not certain myself. Yeah, I don't. You know, as a co-host, I say let whatever you want rip. <laughs> yeah, as the co-host of a show, say the most entertaining thing that could possibly happen, no matter the cost. No matter the cost. Right. Um. I mean, because I was going to have to talk about it at some point. I don't know when's the best part. I won't talk about it much, but uh, I am uh, at the very beginning stages of going through a divorce. And if you've ever done that sort of thing with children, you are aware that it is a very, very difficult, painful process. And it's only been going on for a couple of weeks. And uh, I just had a long... uh, me, uh, meeting online with a lawyer about it, and uh, and it's just it's really difficult. Um, I'm not going to say more about that, and I will never say anything about uh, anything with details. I'd be more than happy. I'm the sort of person, joking, attest to this because I've talked to him on the phone for like two hours just the other day. I am more than happy to spill my guts to anybody about my private life for whatever reason. I've just always been that way. I don't mind telling anybody anything about my private life. I don't know why. Some people are like that. Some people aren't. But uh, anybody that's in a relationship with me didn't sign on for that. So right. I don't. I'm not comfortable with you know saying anything that would involve anybody else. But I am in the process of going through a divorce, and it is really difficult and really distracting. And uh, and and you know, focusing on my job for the last several weeks has not always been easy. And, like, I just can't jump. I, I just walked literally from our office where I had the computer open, and, and I was in a, with a, 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 what do they call it? Mediation, a mediator. Mm-hmm. Everything's Zoom now, you know, because of COVID, which is actually kind of handy that, you know, we don't both have to draw, draw, drive to some office downtown somewhere and park and walk in and everything like that. I'm hoping that will become a permanent fixture of society oh, yeah. for, for most meetings. I do, too, and I wonder if it will. But for stuff like this, this was absolutely 100%. Better to do Zoom. Boy, in all kinds of different ways. I mean, I'm not sure that everybody wants to be in the same room together. So, I mean, I don't mind, but, um, uh, but yeah, not having to drive and park and walk in and wait inside the office and blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah, just do it and it's 40 minutes long. But to, so I walk from the office doing that, the most, certainly in the top couple, and I can't think of what they would be, most stressful uh, lawyer meetings I've ever had in my life, Right, walk right over here and immediately start talking about Andrew Cuomo. I just don't have the mental capacity to do that. So I just thought I would bring up what I was actually doing. And uh, Oh, I completely get that. And it kind of gets it out there. And I don't know how much I'll talk about it or not, uh, you know, between the fact that uh, my wife didn't sign on to have anything about her life shared. I'm not going to get into that at all. And then there's the kids part, so I don't know how much I'll be talking about it or not. But that yeah, is that is what's going on in my life, and it's v- takes a lot of your mental energy. Yeah, well, that is a highly ethical and admirable stance. So you know, oh, I you know, it'd be you know, I wish I could uh, convince her that hey, if I you know talk about all of this, it will make us both more money because <laughs> we have higher ratings. I mean, that's what that's how Howard Stern did. It also destroyed his marriage. I mean, of course, this one's already destroyed, so what harm would I do? But um, I guess, you know, her privacy. Again, um, back to the ethics, right? Yeah, back to the ethics. But uh, we've we've known a couple of radio hosts that are willing to share everything about their their families and kids and everything on the air, and it often makes 
things not good at home. Friends and neighbors as well. Friends and neighbors, but it's good radio content. I know when I listen to shows like that, man, you can't tune away. Yeah. When they're really given all the facts about their internal dynamics. Well, that's why Jack Jr. was such a a useful uh, character on the show for so many years. He's in the Peace Corps now. Is he? In Swatswana. That's where now? (laughs) He's 35. Oh, boy. Oh, they grow up so quickly. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, but uh, Jack uh, Jr. was, uh, for years, uh, according to some, an imaginary offspring, and so we could talk about him freely and say all sorts of insane things. You but- know, I, I, one therapist uh, said, don't talk about this at all on your job, and I, and, I, and I didn't say anything to her at the time, but I thought, that's just, that's unrealistic. I mean, I talk about my wife and kids so much, it's just unrealistic. I'm not going to pretend that we're still in the same house and married if i'm not yeah lying takes too much energy too well it's just you you can be silent on certain subjects but that one would it'd be too difficult to dance around it just eliminates too many stories like for instance if you get into if you've had all your stuff together for years i've been married for we've been together for 14 years um and then you get into a new place, you got you have to start completely over, and you don't even think about the stuff you need until you need it. Like the other night, I don't have a cheese grater. How am I going to grate cheese? I don't have a cheese grater. Oh, that's right, I need a pan. Oh, that's right, I don't have a fork. I mean, it's just all these different things. Wow. I got a shirt the other day. Oh, that's right, I don't have an iron. The things that you haven't thought about in forever, you just all of a sudden need. It's inter- There should be a kit. Maybe there is. Like the full... You're into a new place and don't have any of your stuff kit that you can buy, and it all comes together, which would include a cheese grater and a pan and an iron, I guarantee you, if at I was making a kit. Least, at the very least. At the very least. A cheese grater? <laughs> well, yeah. My son wanted um, the kind of nachos that mom makes, where she puts a bunch of chips, tostado chips on the thing, and you just grate regular cheese over it, and you put it in the microwave for 20 seconds. I mean, it's like... As basic as things it's could the get. the nachos I make. Yeah, but they are delicious. But sure. If you, but if you don't have a cheese grater, you're hacking off big chunks of cheese like I was with a knife. And oh, it's all no, you must just, slice it wafer thin. And the kid said, this is not as good as mom's because it wasn't because she has the cheese grater and I don't. And It's unfair. I don't oh. know about that, but I don't have a cheese grater. Ah, uh, burr. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I don't have a transition to anything else. I'm just saying that's what's going on. So if you hear any reference to it in the future, that's what's happening. And I'm terrified I might say the wrong thing. So perhaps we could go to break. What could you say that would possibly be wrong? You know the whole story. Oh, you, I know. You, I are, you are aware of the entire story. Oh, I know. I know. I, yeah. Joe, I just, Joe knows every detail of the story. Okay. Do you want to hear what I was going to ask you? I don't know. Depends on whether or not yeah, it's going to be... See? See? This is why I'm terrified. <laughs> it's fine, Joe. Go ahead and but say You can it. say anything that, that affects only me, but if it yeah, affects yeah. other parties, it's probably not a good idea. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'll ask you off the air, and then you can tell me whether I can ask it next segment on the air. I'm, but by the way, if I, if I sound like I'm not unhappy about this, I'm as unhappy about this as anything that's occurred in my life. I'm very, very, very unhappy about this. Mm-hmm. And it has been the longest last three and a half weeks um, of my life. And uh, and uh, so far, I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel of, of being unhappy. But I'm sure there is. People tell me there is. Yeah. Um, it's terrible, nonetheless. Oh, yeah. freaking terrible. Yeah. Anyway, that's that.
What were you saying about Andrew Cuomo? He's a bastard. <laughs> anyway, our text line, 415-295-KFTC, and we'll try to finish strong. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't expect to talk about this much as I get. Uh, I said um, people that are involved with me in my family did not sign up for being uh, having their lives displayed on the radio. I can't continue to do the radio show, though, and not mention that I'm going through divorce and uh, just a couple of weeks into the process. I mean, so at the very beginning. I'm uh, getting lots of texts of, uh, Jack, sad for you and your family. Uh, you all be in my prayers. Appreciate that sort of thing. Somebody said, um, I wish you nothing but the absolute best outcome for everyone. Yeah, me too. Boy, right now, every day gets worse. So I'll be look, I'll, I'll look forward to the day when at least it bottoms out, maybe, and it seems like things can start getting better for anybody. Uh, I hope this is not about Trump. God, I hope not. No, it's. I, I will say this. Great Scott. Trump is not involved in this <laughs> yes. in any, in, yet in any way whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, and it's... <laughs> we got this text. Now we know why you ate half a cherry pie in your car. Now it doesn't make sense. See, yeah, that's the sort of thing that, you know, I wasn't mentioning how I ended up eating half a cherry pie in my car the other night. This sort and how'd you stop at half? This They're sort of, so good. This sort of life experience will lead you to eating half a cherry pie in your car. Yeah, yeah. So perhaps we could... Oh, I was going to say, uh, the the notes from the folks you just referenced. The vast majority of you people, when you ever reach out via email or text or whatever, are are such nice folks and, and intelligent and intriguing in your opinions, even when you disagree, and it's an honor to communicate with you. Some of you I hate. I hate, and hate is not a strong enough word for how much I hate you. You're sad little psychos. Yeah. I haven't scrolled through the text far enough. I'm sure in there somewhere yeah, is... Uh, quit while you're ahead. Yeah, I'm sure in there somewhere is uh, I don't blame her. I can't imagine being married to you either. Blah, blah, blah. No, Lord. Don't even imagine that S. Oh, I'm don't, sure. Don't. don't have to imagine it. I'm sure I'll see it in black and white on the text line. Oh, boy. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. You know, I'm going to give you my final thought first. We've got to play that weird transition music again that we did earlier in the show. It was just so disturbing. Uh, Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Michelangelo presses the buttons in the control room. He's our technical director. Michael. Well, this is the first I heard of Jack's news, so I'm a little stunned, and I really don't have a final thought other than just say I'm very sorry, Jack, to hear this information. Me too. I appreciate you being sorry, but me too. Yeah. Positive Sean, a final thought for us. Yeah, I've strangely strangely started watching golf now. I guess this is just another sign that I am ever increasingly closer to 40 than I was previously in my life. <laughs> Quiet, please. Uh, Jack, a final thought? Uh, to Jack, I'm sorry about what you're going through. Your revelation stopped me in my tracks at work. Um, strongly empathize with you, etc., etc. Then said, thanks for getting me through the first hours of my Essie job. I really appreciate you. Well, yeah. glad I can be to have helped somewhere. I'll tell you what, it helps being at work. It helps for me to be at work. Going home to my crappy rental is oh, yeah. not helpful. Right. You stop them in their tracks. Ironically, they work as a tracker, too. Oh. So that's uh, really unfortunate. Uh, Michael, do you have that music for me? Were you able to find that? I find I'm a 
I feel like I'm about to be stabbed by a midget clown. All right, make it stop. It's too disturbing. Isn't it weird that music can have that effect? It is. It is. Ah, jeez, my skin is crawling. My nerves are a-jangling. That's the scariest music ever. You you hear one of your favorite songs, and it just... Endorphins, joy, flood through your systems. You hear that? Yeah! Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have all sorts of good stuff uh, for you under hot links, not to mention the podcasts, the interviews, the, 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 the segments of the show you might have missed, and A&G swag. Buy some for your friends. See you Monday. God bless America. Well, whose bright idea was it to put every idiot in the world in touch with every other idiot? <laughs> Many of us thought it was a joke. You know, it was like a bad onion headline. America's chickens coming home to roost. Holy cow. You are quite, you're a really dull class. They're loco. It's just the way it is. I'm done with this. No, no, no. Sorry. No. Uh, in any event, I hope this is behind us. So say it with me. See, say quadwe. Bye. Have a great Friday, you mother. Armstrong and Getty.